Good evening. Tonight's reading is from 1 Corinthians chapter 4, starting at verse 14. That's page 1147 of the Church Bibles. Page 1147, chapter 4, from verse 14. I am writing this not to shame you, but to warn you as my dear children. Even if you had 10,000 guardians in Christ, you do not have many fathers. For in Christ Jesus, I became your father through the gospel. Therefore, I urge you to imitate me. For this reason, I have sent to you Timothy, my son whom I love, who is faithful in the Lord. He will remind you of my way of life in Christ Jesus which agrees with what I teach everywhere in every church. Some of you have become arrogant, as if I were not coming to you. But I will come to you very soon, if the Lord is willing, and then I will find out not only how these arrogant people are talking, but what power they have. For the kingdom of God is not a matter of talk, but of power. What do you prefer? Shall I come to you with a rod of discipline, or shall I come in love? and with a gentle spirit. This is the word of God. Natalie, thank you so much for reading our passage. Good evening, everyone. It's great to see you. I'm not going to lie, I can't get that song out of my head. I don't like cricket. No. Oh, no. I love it. Surprised David didn't bring some leg pads and a cricket bat. And uh, some wickets up here, maybe next week. Let me, let me pray that I'll get that song out of my head and out of your heads and that God would, would help us tonight. Father, we thank you so much that we can come together now and, and hear you speak to us. Father, we do pray that you would enable us to, to focus and concentrate on what you have to say. We pray you give us understanding and we pray that your spirit would cause us to to put what we learn uh, from these verses tonight uh, into practice in our lives. And we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. I wonder what, what qualities you think make a good mentor. I recently Googled top traits you want in a mentor. And according to one of the articles that the, the, the search threw up, the qualities a mentor should have include the following. They should give quality feedback. They should be invested in you. They should have a positive attitude. They should have shared values with you. And they should be widely respected. As far as a list of desired values in a mentor goes, I think that's not a bad one. As I read them out, I doubt that any of the items would have stood out to you for the wrong reasons. However, there's, there's one item on the list that caught my attention. The idea that a mentor should be widely respected. It stood out to me because of what we've been reflecting on in 1 Corinthians. So last week in verse 9, Paul explained how God had seemingly put him and the other apostles on display at the end of the procession like those condemned to die in the arena, adding, we've been made a spectacle to the whole universe. And then in verse 13, he went on to describe himself as the scum of the earth, the garbage of the world. 
that hardly sounds like someone widely respected, right? I suppose, therefore, that by the article standards, Paul wouldn't make a very good mentor. He's not widely respected. Yet following Paul as a mentor is precisely what the Corinthian Christians are invited to do in this evening's passage. In verse 16, Paul says, Therefore I urge you to imitate me. And what exactly does he want them to imitate? Verse 17, For this reason I sent to you Timothy, my son, whom I love, who is faithful in the Lord. He will remind you of my way of life in Christ Jesus. In what way does Paul want to serve as a mentor? What is it about himself that that Paul wants to be imitated? His way of life in Christ Jesus. In in other words, the way he lives a Christ-centered life. Now, how enthusiastic do you think the Corinthian Christians might be about imitating Paul's way of life? How did he just describe himself as scum and garbage in the world's eyes? For the Corinthians, who who are all about trying to impress others, it's not hard to imagine how the invitation to to imitate someone who, according to, to the world, is such a loser, might have been received. Is Paul really the mentor we need? Who in their right mind would choose him as their mentor? Yet there are multiple reasons that Paul would make an excellent mentor. We really thought about one last week. Last week we saw that if we want to fight against our pride, then we need to recognize the way of the cross. The fact that the way of the cross is the way of the Lord Jesus himself should really humble us. It should prevent us from thinking that it is beneath us. Furthermore, if if we are serious about battling against our pride, then following in the way of the cross will go a long way in helping us. It's hard to remain proud when the world you so badly want to impress mocks and hates you. So as Christians... We shouldn't really be be averse to living a cross-shaped life. It can really help to weaken pride's influence in our lives. In tonight's passage, we discover further reasons that make Paul a good mentor, one whose life is truly is worth imitating. And as we come across them, we'll learn what we should look out for in our own mentors in Christ and also what will make us good mentors in Christ to others. As Christians, it's important that we are mentored by others and also, as we mature spiritually, that we mentor others. Why is it important? Because a Christian life can be tough. And God has given us brothers and sisters so so we can help one another to grow in godliness. So what type of mentors do we need in the Christian life? That's, That's our question this evening. What type of mentors do we need 
in the Christian life. And our first point is this. A mentor in Christ should be caring. A mentor in Christ should be caring. Have a look at me at verse 14. I'm writing this not to shame you, but to warn you as my dear children. Even if you had 10,000 guardians in Christ, you do not have many fathers. For in Christ Jesus, I became your father through the gospel. Therefore, I urge you to imitate me. How does Paul refer to the Corinthian Christians as his children? And he does that because in a sense, that is what they are. So Paul shared the gospel with them, and they believed it. It was his sharing or his preaching the gospel to them that led them to be born again, to experience spiritual birth. So in that sense, they are his spiritual children. But notice how Paul doesn't merely refer to them as his children. He refers to them as his dear children. What does this reveal to us? It shows Paul's deep love and care for them. Sadly, there are fathers in the world who do not have much love for their biological children. That is not the case with Paul concerning his spiritual children. He cares and loves about them deeply. Now, not not all of us might be spiritual fathers or mothers in the sense that Paul was. That is, not all of us might have people who, who have come to know Jesus directly through our sharing the gospel with them. However, all of us do have the opportunity to show care to other believers, don't we? We all have that opportunity. And the believers we should especially show care towards are are those whom we are discipling or mentoring. Maybe those we we meet with to pray or those we we read the Bible with one-to-one. We should be interested in their spiritual well-being, I think, in in a similar way that Paul is towards the Corinthians. I wonder if you can think of any Christians in your life who, who cared about you enough to be really invested in your spiritual well-being. I'm sure many of us can think of people who have been, who have been invested in our spiritual lives. Aren't you grateful for them? It's so important that we as Christians have others in our lives who care about our spiritual health, and who look out for us. This is why meeting uh, one-to-one with other Christians or going to Bible studies and praying with other Christians can be so helpful. Those other Christians can help us in our spiritual walk. So what type of mentors do we need in the Christian life? We need mentors who care. But not only do we need mentors who care, we also need mentors who reveal a changed life. That's our second point. We need mentors who reveal a changed life. Have a look at me at verse 16 and try to spot how Paul describes his life. Therefore, I urge you to imitate me. For this reason, I sent to you Timothy, my son, whom I love, who is faithful in the Lord, 
he will remind you of my, of my way of life in Christ Jesus, which agrees with what I teach everywhere in every church. Did you notice how, how Paul describes his way of life as a Christian? He says that it agrees with what he teaches. In other words, Paul not only talks the talk, he also walks the walk. His way of life is consistent with his teaching. What does this teach us about mentoring? A good mentor is one whose, whose way of life is in alignment with his beliefs. The way they're living their lives backs up what they claim to believe with their lips. So when someone claims to be a follower of Christ, but not, does not live like one, you probably don't want to have that person as your mentor. Now, I'm not saying that you need a mentor who consistently lives out their Christian beliefs perfectly. We know that no one is able to do that. All of us would immediately be disqualified for mentoring if that were the case. Rather, I think, I think there should be a reasonable degree of consistency between what a Christian believes and how they live. And when their way of life inevitably falls short of matching up with what they believe, they shouldn't be proud about it or unbothered by it, but instead they should be quick to repent. I think that's what it means uh, for someone to be consistent in their living and their beliefs. A good Christian mentor is someone whose life has been transformed by the gospel so that their living becomes consistent with their beliefs. But what does that change or transformed life look like? I think Paul answers this in verses 18 to 20. Let's read from verse 18. Some of you have become arrogant, as if I were not coming to you. But I will come to you very soon, if the Lord is willing. And then I will find out not only how these arrogant people are talking, but what power they have. For the kingdom of God is not a matter of talk, but of power. What's the key word in those verses? It's power, isn't it? Paul says that when he comes to Corinth, he wants to see what power some of the Christians there have. What does he mean? We need to think about how the word power has been used previously in the letter. So back in chapter 1, Paul said, Christ did not send me to baptize, but to preach the gospel, not with wisdom and eloquence, lest the cross of Christ be emptied of its power. For the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. What does Paul say is the power of God? The cross. So in chapter 4, when Paul speaks of wanting to see what power some of the, the Corinthian church members have, I think he's saying he wants to see if the cross is visible 
in their lives. What do I mean? It might be helpful to to be reminded of, of some verses from last week. So in chapter 4, verse 10, Paul says, We, that is Paul and the apostles, we are fools for Christ, but you are so wise in Christ. We are weak, but you are strong. You are honored. We are dishonored. To this very hour, we go hungry and thirsty. We are in rags. We are brutally treated. We are homeless. We work hard with our own hands. When we are cursed, we we bless When we are persecuted, we endure it. When we are slandered, we answer kindly. We have become the scum of the earth, the garbage of the world, right up to this moment. Judging from those verses, do you think the cross is visible in Paul's life? Absolutely. In so many ways, Paul's life resembles that of the crucified Messiah whom he follows. When Jesus was insulted, he didn't retaliate. And when he suffered, he made no threats. Paul's way of life is mirroring Jesus's. It's it's reflecting the cross. In other words, Paul is living a cross-shaped life. And since the cross is where God's power lies... There is evidence that there is real power in Paul's life. But is there power in the lives of the Corinthians? Sadly, there's a lack of this evidence. There's a lack of evidence of this power in how they're living. They're all about being honored and looking outwardly impressive. And that is the antithesis of the cross. Friends, in, in Paul, we have an excellent example of what a mentor with a changed life looks like. A good mentor is someone whose life is consistent with their beliefs and whose life is cross-shaped. I wonder if that's the type of mentor you, you, you want to have or are seeking to be. I think we can all agree that, um, that we want to be the, the type of mentor who's consistent. But what about the type of mentor who has a cross-shaped life? Do we, do we want to be that type of mentor? It's challenging, isn't it? We, we tend to shy away from living a cross-shaped life. It seems so, so hard. And of course... That's because it is. But how good would it be for us individually, as well as corporately, if we really, we really were seeking to live cross-shaped lives like Paul did? If churches across the country lived this way, just think of how healthy they would be. There would be a visible display of God's power. I think that the, the more we see the cross evident in, our, in, in the lives of our brothers and sisters, the more we are reminded of the cross and the more we are persuaded of the cross's power. 
will think, wow, look at how the cross has changed Jeremy's life. Look at how the cross has changed Jessica's life. Look at how the cross has changed Ben's life. And I think also the more grateful we will be for Jesus. He's the one who who took the cross on our behalf. Seeing the cross lived out in the lives of others makes us want to praise God for the one who perfectly lived a cross-shaped life, even dying for us on the cross. By the way, if you're here this evening and you're not a Christian, it's great to have you with us. I'd encourage you to try and find out more about this Jesus. He went to die on a cross. The reason we meet here every Sunday is because we think Jesus is amazing. He went to a cross because of his love for us in order to save us. I think this Jesus is really worth getting to know. So I'd encourage you to Consider exploring him. Why not ask someone here at church or Christian you know if you can find out more about him. Friends, why are we to to live cross-shaped lives? Because it displays and evidences the power of the cross in our lives. What makes a good mentor? One who is caring and one who reveals a changed life that is one that is consistent and cross-shaped. What else makes a good mentor? One who is willing to correct you. Our third point is a mentor in Christ should be willing to correct you. Have a look with me at verse 21. What do you prefer? Shall I come to you with the rod of discipline or shall I come in love and with a gentle spirit? Paul is hoping to visit the Corinthians soon. And because he's so concerned with with how they're living, he's driven to to ask them this question. Do you really want me to have to discipline you? It's obvious that disciplining is something that Paul would rather not have to do. Or he wouldn't be asking this question. Paul would prefer to come in love and gentleness. That would be more enjoyable both for him and for them. But they're not really giving Paul that option. It's a bit like when a parent has a child who is misbehaving. The caring parent would rather not have to discipline their child, right? But they know that if they don't, It will not be in the child's best interests. It will not be good for the child's development. So sometimes the parent has to discipline their child. As we'll increasingly see in the coming weeks in our series, Paul is also running out of options with with the Corinthians. It seems like he has no choice but to discipline them unless their behavior changes soon. And we'll see how bad their, their behavior really gets in the coming weeks. Is, is Paul unloving if he disciplines them? Of course not. 
Just like it's not unloving for a parent to send their misbehaving child to the naughty stat. Look, discipline can, of course, be done wrongly or excessively. But when it's done carefully and considerately, it can be a sign of love. Indeed, Paul might have to discipline the Corinthian Christians precisely because he cares about them. If he didn't love them, then why would he be bothered about how they're living? Folks, are we willing to correct those whom we mentor? Are we willing to correct other Christians? It's so much easier not to correct people, right? It's easier just to let things slide. But that, that isn't good mentoring. What about receiving correction? How do we feel about that? I think we also don't enjoy it. It's not only hard to give correction, it's also hard to receive it. It, it deflates our ego. But that wouldn't be such a bad thing, would it? When another Christian lovingly corrects us, lovingly corrects us because we're sinning, instead of going on the defensive or getting the hump, we should be grateful that they cared about us enough to speak to us about it. Sure, it might not be easy for us to take, but if it's done lovingly, there's no doubt that it can be very good for us spiritually. Friends, as Christians, we all need people who will love us enough to call us out when we sin. So when they do, let's humbly receive it. And let's also lovingly give it when necessary. Our church is spiritually healthy when its members do correction well and when its members are caring and living cross-shaped lives. So let's seek both to, to mentor and to be mentored God's way. Let's pray. Father, we confess that we look at a passage like this and we think, wow, it is hard to live like that. And so, Father, we do thank you for Paul's example. Um, Paul was just a man, yet he sought to live out this way. And so, Father, we pray that we would also seek to live out this way. Father, we pray that you would put a great desire in our hearts to want to, to live cross-shaped lives, Father, call us to really believe that, um, that that is where the power is, right? that when we are living cross-shaped lives, that just shows the power of the cross in our own lives. And Father, we pray that when we, when we mess up, um, we wouldn't despair, but we would come to you um, for forgiveness. And Father, we thank you so much that that forgiveness is possible 
because of Jesus and what he did. He perfectly lived the cross-shaped life. And he died on that cross for us, precisely because it would be impossible for us to live this kind of lives, this kind of life in our own strength. We need him. And so, Father, we thank you for him. Amen.